Welcome, everybody. Um, I want to welcome Nikias, who is a personal trainer out of the UK. He has, I guess, got into bodybuilding, got into the gym scene as he was trying to mold his physique after. Um, and he'll go into the backstory and explain more how he came across, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, came across the fact that he was uh, transgender. He's female to male transgender. And now discovering that uses the gym to uh, invest in his transition, especially before applying hormone therapy. Because I think when I understood you weren't into the hormone therapy very long, right? No, it's only been 10 weeks. Yes. And as I'll, you know, I'll let him take over and tell most of the story, but uh, it was the, the reason it's interesting to me is because, you know, people like to jump right on hormone stuff as soon as they discover, but because the health system and stuff there, there was a little bit of a wait for you. And I think the route you took was um, definitely mentally probably better for you because you didn't have to sit there and wait with the anxiety of wanting to get on everything and um, using the gym and using bodybuilding helped you um, invest in yourself a lot sooner. And, um, you know, as you go into it, well, you know, you'll also tell us how, what you've told me before, which is how it almost primed your body for some of the transitioning steps. Yeah. So, um, Guys, uh, welcome to Kias. He'll go ahead and tell us how you got into this and how you made the discovery and how you're at the point where you're at right now. All right. Well, first of all, thanks for asking me to be here today. It's a great opportunity for me. Okay. So at the moment, like you said, I'm a personal trainer and I also coach people online and I live in Brighton in the UK, um, but I was born and I grew up in Italy. Now, I've been out as a transgender person. I am female to male uh, since 2018, um, when I also got into bodybuilding for the first time. It was, um, I realized I was transgender first, and then I got into bodybuilding. And that le led to me eventually deciding to uh, get qualified as a personal trainer. And I've been doing that for about a year now. So I've always been into fitness ever since I was a child. I started taking swimming classes when I was about three years old. And uh, I did all sorts of sports throughout childhood and teenagehood. So I did swimming, volleyball, I did judo, fitbox. Um, up until I was about 14 or 15. And at that point in time, my body was quite overweight. And I decided that I wanted to lose that weight by reducing how much food I was eating. Unfortunately, that spiraled. I became really good at losing weight uh, to the point where I developed a restrictive eating disorder when I was 16. Um, I basically made up food rules um, and created a list of healthy, quote unquote, foods. And those were the only foods I would let myself eat in very small quantity and exercise was also a big part of it because i started exercising obsessively um, especially cardio i would exercise up to three times in the same day always before a meal so that i could burn off that meal afterwards which was another a silly thought that i had at the time and this lasted from when I was about 16 to around when I was 21. Although I would say that it was at its worst between 16 and 18 years old. Um, and after that, 
I regained weight so that according to the uh, BMI chart, I was considered healthy. But in my head, I still had all these issues related to food. All of my food rules were still in place. I scaled back on the exercise, but I hadn't, didn't have a really good relationship with it. I only did it out of fear of gaining weight. Now, this is important because in hindsight, I realized that I developed an eating disorder because I, was, I had gender dysphoria, uh, which means I felt like the way my body was did not match my gender. And um, this came about around 2017 when I decided that I wanted to stop those disordered habits that I had and I wanted to have a better relationship with food and exercise. And that's when I came across intuitive eating, but I didn't really ask for the help of any professional at that point. I didn't really know very much about nutrition and I just tried to do some research on my own and I got into intuitive eating in an attempt to fix my relationship with food. And as a result of that, I gained quite a lot of weight back. No, I was still within the healthy body weight range. It's not like I became overweight or obese, or it wasn't extreme, but it was still a considerable amount of weight that I hadn't had on my frame for a long time. And that's when I had the first light bulb. At this point, it was early, it was May 2018, and uh, I'd been gaining weight for about 10 months. And I realized that I my biggest fear uh, about maybe relapsing was related to the fact that I was scared I would see my belly get bigger and that would make me relapse. But I found out that I was actually okay with my belly. What really made me uncomfortable was when my chest started getting bigger again. And I, I'd been pretty much flat chested for a long time due to holding a very low body fat, which was unhealthy. And that's when I started questioning why I felt so uncomfortable with my body shape, especially with my female characteristics. Um, and it also made me think back to the early days of my eating disorder when I would read about other people's experiences with eating disorders because I was trying to understand how I could get better. And I read that a lot of girls looked up to petite, dainty bodies, um, and that's what they were trying to achieve. And when I looked at pictures of those bodies, they made me cringe. I really didn't like those really tiny physiques, female physiques, and I couldn't relate to the, to the aspiration that these girls had. And whereas what I really liked about the state of my body at the time was that my chest was flat, I lost my period, I developed amenorrhea, which means uh, my period stopped and never came back because of the extremely low body fat that I was holding. Um, and so, I also started questioning whether I was actually a woman because I really didn't. It seemed like everything that made a woman, in my, at least in my opinion, the way I was brought up, everything that made someone a woman was something that I was uncomfortable with. 
And then in May 2018, I asked myself if I could be anything I wanted without being afraid of other people's opinion of me, what would I be? And the realization was that I immediately answered myself saying, well, I would be a guy, like no questions asked. And that was... I, hold on, I want to I want to make a point real quick before you go. That's a question a lot of people need to ask themselves. It's um, it's it can be difficult to answer or come to come to terms with something like that. But I like how you how you ask yourself that question because I think uh, in the end, as we get older, that is what whether it's being transgender or being gay or being a bodybuilder or you know anything that is what we're all striving towards. What do I want to be if I didn't have to worry about what other people thought or what society thinks, what would I want to be if I could be anything? And uh, I think everybody listening to this right now needs to ask themselves that question and then look at what they're doing in life. And is that, are, are the steps right now that you are taking contributing towards what you're wanting to be? So that's, um, Go ahead. I just want to make that point because everybody listening right now needs to ask themselves that question in that manner that you asked yourself. No, it's a really good point. I completely agree. And it's something that I personally have always struggled with. Um, it's not just a transgender issue at all. Uh, ever since I was a child, I've always strived to make my parents proud of me. So anything that would make me think my parents might feel disappointed in me uh, I would I, I would just try to avoid even if those were my assumptions and I never actually asked my parents would this make you feel disappointed in me I just assumed it would and I wouldn't do it and yes being coming out as transgender was one of those things uh, because I was afraid my parents would be unhappy with my decision uh, but other, I, it's been the same in other areas of my life as well, such as what I wanted to do, what I wanted to study, um, or what kind of career I should, um, I should start. Fortunately, I've always had a very supportive family, and I think that's what helped me being honest with myself that uh, that day in May 2018. It was the fact that my family has always backed everything I've wanted to do with my life which has given me the freedom to really question what it is that I want to do with it. When you developed, you say you developed the eating disorder because you're trying to lose the body fat, you kept your body fat low and that you didn't like the fact that, you know, your chest would come back and stuff when you start eating again. Now, these are, how do I say it? I mean, like you said, these are, these are signs. I mean, the stuff that, and I thought earlier you mentioned about the, about the narrower hips and, you know, chest being gone. And this is like, I mean, the, you're, you're developing an eating disorder to get rid of these things, but what you're realizing is you want to get rid of these things is because you're transgender. Now, exactly. and it's, 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 see, this, I want to make this point to people is that you're showing, you're, you're showing signs of it without even realizing you're transgender. So that's where when people start saying, oh, you know, it's a choice or whatever, like, no, this is like an actual, this is an actual thing. It's a brain body mismatch. And when you see signs like that, it, it proves it. Because, like you said, you didn't, you didn't know why. I know we talked last time, you said you had these issues, you wanted these things gone, but you didn't know why. And then later on it clicked. Oh, okay, well, this makes, this makes sense. So, um, 
but now that instead of using a, like an eating disorder to get rid of it and stuff, now you, you go into eating the proper way training, you know, you got, you got your knowledge and how you apply it. And the bodybuilding is a very good route to take. I know, uh, um, a few people that are on both sides, you know, male to female, female to male that have taken that route. And it's uh, been very promising. It's actually, I've noticed that they, they have to have less, um, I don't want to say artificial, but surgeries done. And, uh, and they also like the fact that they investing in themselves and it kind of, I think there's a pride aspect involved too, as you're training, if you're getting more towards the look that you want without having to get like, like on the, on the female side, like the implants, the injections, you know, the, all that stuff. I think it, it makes you more proud of who you are because you built a lot of that yourself. Now I know there are some things that are going to require the surgery that you just can't help. But I think some some people see that and apply that across the board. Like, well, I might as well just go get everything done because, you know, and just try to keep some body fat off because there's not much I can do in the gym to achieve the body because of the body I was born in. That's not the case. Uh, like, for instance, you know, for a, a male to female, the lower body is going to be targeted. They want legs, nice butt. Um, you know, for, for female to male, you know, broader shoulders. You know, they want the narrower hips. And um, I think – what I've noticed working with some is that um, targeting the chest can be difficult, even after the reduction surgery, because, you know, the, the pec muscles aren't as big as they should be. So that's one thing they want to target a lot. Um, let's see. So I think you made quite a few interesting points there. For one, yes, it's definitely true, at least in my experience. I didn't know that transgender male people existed i the most i knew about when i was younger was that there were trans female people so uh male to female individuals because that's what we would hear about sometimes in the news in italy but i didn't really know anything else about what transgender meant or entailed so when i developed my eating disorder i never even thought for a second oh it might be because i want to be a boy that that came seven years later so at least in my experience yes gender dysphoria was there without me even realizing that it was and in a way it's interesting to me that being transgender caused me to become the the most unhealthy I could be at that point, but then turned things around for me when I did realize I was transgender and made me the healthiest I have ever been. Because when in May 2018, I told myself I was transgender and I started transitioning socially, um, then I also decided that I wanted to build the healthiest body that I could have because for so long I'd been disrespecting it because I couldn't love the way it was due to being transgender. So I thought, well, maybe I still can't love it because it's not the body I was supposed to be born in, but I can find out what's good about it rather than try to focus only on what's wrong about it. And that for me meant that I wanted to find a way to exercise that made me feel happy and a way to eat that also made me feel comfortable with myself. And I also um, was unhappy with my body composition at the time because I was what you would call skinny fat. I was still doing a lot of unnecessary cardio and it was completely unstructured. Um, and I, so I gained quite a lot of body fat, but my frame and overall weight was still really small. So 
I decided to dive deep into the science of building muscle. I picked resistance training at the time, so lifting weights, because primarily because it looked completely different from cardio. I was tired of just exercising to burn as many calories as possible. Uh, I wanted to do something that I could actually get good at rather than just repeating over and over again out of fear of gaining weights. So I looked into lifting weights because, yeah, at the time it just seemed interesting to me for that reason. Uh, and then I realized pretty quickly that if you could build muscle, then you could also change the shape of your body. And yes, most people who are born in the body that they, that they were supposed to have, people who are cisgender, try to emphasize characteristics that they were naturally um, born with. So for example, females like to build their butt, like you were saying, uh, cis men like to build their pecs. But, that, but I realized that you could target specific areas and make your body look different from, the, the, from the, your anatomical sex. And yes, I, would, I, I was realistic. I'd never thought I am going to definitely look like a man if I do this. But I thought I can look more like a man than if I didn't train. And that to me was a better trade-off than not trying at all. And that's why I decided to um, start doing a lot of research into the science of hypertrophy, so building muscle. And, um, and I, I decided to start experimenting on myself before, before I even made the choice to become qualified as a personal trainer. I decided to treat myself as a science experiment and uh, put myself through different ways of training and see what would work for me. And so that had a huge impact on my mental health, which I didn't expect, as well as on my physique. Mental health-wise, I became more disciplined and more focused. I learned how to train and eat in a way that was meant to build me up and not tear me down, like I, I had always been doing before. Um, and again, I learned to respect my body, to see its strengths, which I studied because I took a special interest in female physiology to better understand how to make the best of, out of my training. But also I discovered that if I trained, especially focusing on back and deltoids, so lats and deltoids or back and shoulders, uh, then I would, my upper body would look slightly bigger and that would offset the width of my hips and my waist as well. And so with a bigger upper body, I would look more masculine. In Western society in particular, anything that looks very muscular is, is normally associated with masculinity in general. So just building my body and achieving a bigger body, not looking small. I, I'm five foot tall, so I look very small. But looking less small, uh, looking slightly more well-built definitely helped me look way more masculine than I did before. It helped me become a lot more comfortable with my body. That's so interesting. The, uh, sorry, I was going to say something that I think can relate to everybody across the board. Uh, you started, when you started using the training, you started having a focus towards a goal. And 
hey, you're not on hormones yet, but you realize you started studying and realize, you know, I can use bodybuilding and mold my body however I want. So then, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel shows up. So now you go from, you know, you said a negative aspect to a positive aspect because that now I can actually do this thing pops off in your head. And that's, I've seen that across the board, cisgender, transgender, weight loss, muscle gain, everything. Because you'll, you'll take somebody that's been overweight all their life and you'll show them a couple things. They start losing some body fat and they're like, oh, shit, I can actually do this now. And that goes from the person complaining and stuff all the time to the one that's carrying their meals around with them everywhere. So once you, you know, instead of this like poor me mentality, you did research and you found an outlet and you're like, hey, I could go this route and I could get exactly what I want to some aspect, which is better than nothing. And at least do that until I can find other methods to enhance it even more. So that's um, – that's awesome that you were able to make that connection on your own because not being able to find some out outlet could cause, you know, like you said, your mental health got better as you were, as you were getting closer to, as you were applying it. And some people don't make that initial step of putting light at the end of the tunnel. So they don't get to make, they don't know what steps to take to make their mental health better. So um, that's awesome that you, you made that discovery and um, you know, you being a trainer now, now you can, people that are in your shoes or honestly, like I said, you could relate it to almost any kind of goal across the board. Yeah. You'll be able, you'll be able to coach them a lot better because you've had somewhat of similar experience. Yeah, actually it's funny that you mentioned a person who's been overweight all their life. Cause that's exactly the example I was going to make. The thing is, if you've always been a certain way, it's really hard to imagine how it would be to be different. True. And it's really hard to visualize how you can get there. I've had this with, quite a few of my clients lately, uh, uh, quite a few of them are with me uh, for fat loss. And several of them have only known themselves as a person with overweight or even obesity. And we've, we've had conversations where they, they would tell me, I can see myself as a person with less body fat. But then we've been working together and they have been losing the weight. And all of a sudden, they realize that they can, they might not see themselves as someone who has a very low body fat or a very lean person. But by taking those steps towards it, they realize that it makes them feel a lot better. Just the process, not the ultimate end goal, makes them feel a lot better about themselves, a lot more empowered. And that's the same that happened to me. Um, I became more empowered by my own training because taking hormones for me is definitely necessary. I could, I don't think I would be able to go through life before seeing, before, uh, without having um, testosterone therapy. But training empowered me because it was something I was doing. I wasn't just passively taking a type of medication and I feel that that applies to a lot of my clients as well when they see that it's a result of their own actions that it's as a result of their own action that they get closer to their ultimate end goal um, that makes them feel like it's worth doing because they can decide it's not random it's not it doesn't come out of a bottle it's they made the decision and um they take responsibility for it and they achieve the results. Yeah. The, the thing about this, we talked about using the hormone stuff about with any type of supplementation, 
you're not going to see as much as you would or anything at that point unless you apply the foundation aspects. Like when people are trying to lose oh, yes. body fat, I like them to use just the diet alone and see that work before adding in any supplementation because if once they put in the supplementation, after the diet's worker is going to work better. But if they start out on the diet and all the supplementation and everything and then see results, they're going to think it's supplements and they're not going to follow the diet as well. Now, that can also be applied in your situation because you made some changes before getting on any hormone therapy. And now that you that you started, you're going to, because you know the foundation aspects of it, when you started on it, the results are going to get even better rather than yeah. just wait and start all at one time and then, you know, not putting as much into the training and eating because you think it's all the hormones, which... Oh, in your case, being a female biology, you are going to be a lot more sensitive to testosterone than a cisgender male. Even with the yeah. bodybuilder aspect, you'll notice women take a fraction of what guys take and get so much more out of it. But yeah. it can always be better if your foundation principles are there. And I think it teaches you when you have the discipline of getting those foundation principles first and then start on the hormone therapy, it, it, I think it gets a better head on your shoulders and makes you focus on the stuff that will that way you get the most out of what you're taking i guess you say yeah actually you just mentioned basically uh one of the most important messages that i try to convey with my coaching practice which is get started right now don't wait for hormones don't wait if you're if you're not transgender don't wait until it's a better time to lose weight or to yeah. build muscle like you need to start now because and that's why when i when i got into bodybuilding i created my instagram accounts and I, and from the beginning i told people i was transgender i didn't wait to look like a man uh because i knew i was a man so i you know people i want people would respect that if i showed confidence in myself so that i didn't want to just wait and then all of a sudden come out someday and be like, hey, there's me, you know, I'm a transgender. And I already looked like I completely passed as a man and like, and almost make it sound like the stage before that didn't matter. Because to me, starting my transition before hormones through bodybuilding has been really transformative. And I think it made me more focused as you said it makes me more disciplined because i can see the changes coming from my own actions and not from anything external but it also just already improved my mental health and my view of myself and this is extremely important in the transgender community unfortunately the rate of suicides is really high because yes. in in some countries it's hard to get on hormones in time and to me, it's very important to tell people, you know, you might not have access to hormones now, but there is, if you look after yourself, if you start training, there is this alternative, which yes, isn't the same, but if it keeps you, if it keeps you alive, then it's worth trying. I, yeah, I would go as, as far as to say that bodybuilding saved my life in that respect. And in the same way for my clients who aren't transgender but have these, these physicals, I tell them we, before they become my clients, if they, you know, I approach them at the gym and they tell me, hey, I would like to lose, you know, some weight or I would like to look a bit more muscular. I tell them, okay, why, don't, why aren't you, haven't you started yet? 
and uh, because if they if we if if you don't lay the foundations as soon as you develop the desire you'll put it in the back burner and you'll always be looking for some quick fix to achieve it fast but you're never going to actually take the time to find out that one it takes time and two the process not the end goal makes you feel a lot better already yeah the going back to what you said about documenting the actual transition uh when people see if you were to wait until you had everything and then you started the Instagram account, people would assume and not without even realizing they would assume that most of your life you had been like that, that very little of your life were you the before picture. But now that yeah. you're showing the transition, you're going to touch and relate more to more people and you're going to inspire more people because they're seeing everything you're going through and they're like, the people be like, Oh, okay. So this person had to build from the ground up. And it is possible, but they don't see that if they don't see from the point that where you started at. So that's really good. You went ahead and started now. Um, also, the suicide rates, people, I think um, people that are unexposed to the community, they don't realize that because of the brain body conflict, it can cause a lot of issues like you're, you're in your head, you are programmed for lack of a better term, or wired or whatever, how you want to put it, to be one gender, but you look in the mirror and you're seeing another. And there are certain things that you are, that there's certain, there's certain um, things that are going to be programmed in there, like having kids and things that you look at your body and it starts kind of conflicting. And if you just sit around and let it get to you, you know, or, you know, people start making fun. I know, I know that has a lot of, I know the bullying and stuff has some aspect of the suicide rates too. But the, I think the, the minute you start doing something to invest in changing, whether it's the hormones, the training, if you, okay, well, I can't get hormones yet because, you know, like in the UK, you got your healthcare system and sometimes it takes a little bit longer. But yeah. if I start, you know, um, living my life as who I am, if I start dressing as who I am, if I start training and investing in my body, you're already investing in the transition, whether you have the hormones or not. And I think because of the dedication and the investment that bodybuilding or fitness training or whatever has with the eating and the shaping the body and stuff that has, you're going to feel so invested in yourself. And especially if you start seeing changes that the possibility is there and you can see it and that's going to, that's going to help you cope to help you cope with it a lot better even before the hormones come into play. So Trying to, um, the sooner that somebody can realize that conflict and start doing things to resolve it, the better. If you sit around and wait, you know, I think you could, at one point you could be on a hair trigger from saying, fuck it. Just all it takes is somebody to say the wrong thing, you know, but it's, uh, I just, I just don't think a lot of the, um, outside community realizes that, you know, it's, it's, they don't see that. I, I couldn't even imagine what it's like, to be honest with you. And I know quite a few transgender people I talk to. I get messages from new ones, new new people every single day. And um, I, I, I talk to them about all kinds of stuff and I'll learn. But at the same time, I still cannot imagine what it's like to be, to be you know, thinking you're one gender, look in the mirror and see something different. It's, it's got to be something. I just I couldn't imagine what that's like. So... You know, what I, what I always wanted to be, I guess the closest I can relate to is when I always wanted to be bodybuilder and always wanted to be lean because I was always fat growing up. Um, the minute I started, you know, and, and it's, it's not 
I'm not saying he's at the same level as what transgender people go through, but let's say for me, I was overweight. I thought I couldn't get girls and all this stuff because of how I look. But when I got out of high school and I started investing in myself, and I started losing the weight. It helped. So because I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there every single day, as long as I stay on the program, I'm feeling better about myself. And even though I'm not at the finish point, I'm more confident about myself because I know that if there's something different, I can fucking change it. The power of how I look and who I want to be is in my hands now. So even if I'm not there yet, I know I'm going to get there. And that alone is going to build your confidence and get your mental aspect a lot stronger. Once again, like I said, it, it's something you can be able you can apply across the board, even though, like I said, my weight loss battle and stuff is nowhere near what you went through. But there is, there's, you know, I can, I can make that connection to where I can at least start understanding what's going on. I think what's important is to have realistic expectations. For example, for someone who has overweight or obesity, they shouldn't expect to be able to lose all that weight in a really short amount of time because it took them their entire life to get there. So taking it a couple of kilos or 10 pounds at a time um, is going to give them the best results rather than trying to focus on, okay, I am going to lose 150 pounds um, in, you know, all in the next however many months that's like huge long-term goal to have and it's easy to lose motivation because it just feels like such a huge enter uh, undertaking and in the same way being transgender i just had to be realistic i never thought oh with training i will look 100 percent like a man nobody will have um any doubts that i'm a man and i will be perfectly happy with myself but i thought what I have right now and right now being before I started training was something that made me a hundred percent uncomfortable. And there were, I couldn't change everything with training. I couldn't change my voice, for example, and I couldn't change my chest massively, but I could change to a point where I could get maybe 90% uncomfortable with myself and achieving that 10% by myself made gave me the power to carry on with life become more confident in who i wanted to be and how, what i wanted to do with the rest of my life it shaped my desire aspiration to become a personal trainer and help other people um, it basically reshaped my entire identity and i am extremely grateful that i discovered bodybuilding for that reason yeah, and you're also you're you're priming yourself for when you take the bigger steps. I know you mentioned last time we talked was like let's say you haven't had the breast removal surgery, but you're training your chest like crazy. So when they remove that, there's going to be something there to show. Rather than if people, well, I'll wait till I get the breast removed. Like, well, now you're you're putting off square one. Like, go yeah. ahead and start training it now, so that when you get the surgery done, you know, like I think you mentioned, if the muscles are built up, they can actually see how to how to put everything together once it's removed it's, it's better for the reduction surgery so basically um what what i think is that especially as you were saying um if someone was born in a body that's uh estrogen dominance and they wanted to transition to being a man or trans masculine and in any case by taking testosterone they will be extremely sensitive to the anabolic 
which means muscle building properties of testosterone. And for that reason, if you start training before you take testosterone, you just build a much bigger base in terms of the amount of muscle mass you start with. So after testosterone, you get your previous amount of muscle mass, which is already considerable because you've been training, and you add a lot more muscle mass to that. Whereas if you just start training when you're already on testosterone, then you start with very little muscle mass and you only get whatever you get after testosterone. So basically, the earlier you start, the better anyway, because you have more years to train. On top of that, I did some research because personally, I think I am interested in surgeries. And I have found out that, for example, it seems to help surgeons if you build up your pec muscles, as you were saying. I wouldn't say you need to train them like crazy, but having a well-structured training program that does focus on your pecs as well as other body parts can help you bring up your pec muscles and once the fat is removed the surgeon might be better able to shape the contours of your chest because your muscles have been built up by training and they just stand out more than if you didn't train makes sense makes a lot of sense now after saying all this once you started applying the HRT, the hormone therapy, what did you know to start changing and how did you have to start um, shaping your program to, to accommodate the hormone changes that were happening? Because I know the amount of protein and training and stuff that you were doing before hormones is going to change as the testosterone builds up in your body. You're going to be able to simulate more protein. You're going to be able to recover. You're going to be able to build muscle better. Um, I know some people can actually absorb the food better, utilize it, they get hungrier. Um, so what did you notice personally and what steps did you take? Because I know it's not like an overnight thing. So as the testosterone builds up, you have to make small adjustments in the program. But maybe you going through what you notice can help others realize what symptoms to look out for and how much they should change. And of course, it, you know, hormone reactions vary by the person, but at least get some general yeah. idea. Yeah, so a couple of disclaimers i'm not an endocrinologist so and i'm not a medical professional so i'm not giving any kind of advice i'm just going to be very honest about what i've been experiencing uh personally entertainment purposes only exactly so i have been on testosterone therapy for 10 weeks now and uh, I know there are different ways to take testosterone i personally uh, apply Testogel, which is a type of gel containing testosterone, every single day. Um, so it's been 10 weeks, so two months and a half. So it's not been a very long time, but I have already been noticing some differences, mainly due to my body adjusting to the therapy. So something that I've noticed in my training is that my upper body strength has been increasing quite noticeably. It's not a night or day difference, but right now I'm not a beginner trainee anymore. And I find that I normally can progress maybe every week or every couple of weeks in terms of uh, weight lifted, how many reps I can do and how fast I recover from my sessions. Whereas since starting HRT, especially in the upper body, I've kind of 
gone back to the rate of progress I had as a beginner, which was quite a lot faster. It's almost workout to workout now that I can improve. Um, I've, I took a year before HRT to build up to being able to do four pull-up, four chin-ups. Now I've gone to from being able to do maybe three or four on a good day to being able to do five or six just in the last two years and a half versus uh, an entire year of training just for chin-ups. Um, in terms of nutrition and body weights, um, my current goal is to build muscle. So I am making an effort to push my body weight up. Uh, and normally I follow the general guidelines that are given for natural bodybuilding, which is to gain around 1% of your body weight per month, at least with my experience training, because beginners can maybe gain a little bit faster and more advanced people can gain maybe a little bit more slowly. So I try to gain around 1% of my body weight per month. And I haven't really changed how much physical activity I do or how much food I eat. And I track my calories pretty consistently. Um, and yet since starting testosterone, the first four to eight weeks, my rate of body weight gain pretty much doubled. So instead of 1%, it would be 2% plus per month. And the reason why I've decided not to uh, reduce my calories or do more physical activity to slow that rate down is basically, well, it's threefold. One, my goal is to gain muscle. And I know that with muscle gain, a little bit of body fat gain is necessary. It's inevitable. You can just gain pure Eventually, muscle. yeah. But I would actually expect you to get a little leaner and bigger once you apply testosterone, especially for the fact that you didn't change your, your food intake because your body is simply going to utilize it better. Yeah, so I'll get to that. So first, okay. I know that you can um, you, you will gain a little bit of body fat. So I th And my, my thinking was... I'm not going to reduce my calories and reduce the rate of weight gain because if I really became uncomfortable, I, know, I would know how to lose that fat with a fat loss diet. So the mental aspect was taken care of. I knew I could do it if need be. Two, uh, I also wouldn't want to hamper the potential heightened muscle gain that I could get now when my body is still adjusting to HRT because eventually after the adjustment period, I will only be able to gain muscle at the same rate as an average adult male with my DNA, basically with my genetic potential. So if I can have a bit of a bonus right now, I'm not going to cheat myself out of that by reducing my calories. And so far, just by looking at progress pictures, I can tell that I have been gaining body weight but it doesn't show necessarily as body fat like i can tell that i still look fairly lean i would not necessarily say leaner than i did prior to hrt but definitely as lean as which shows me i've probably gained primarily muscle um and therefore it's just a result of taking testosterone um and it's a positive result so I can complain about that. And that's why I haven't really changed my nutrition in any way. Yeah, that's actually, if you're, if you're gaining muscle and body fat at the same rate to where your composition's identical, even though you're getting bigger, that's still better than yeah. what most people can do. 
Exactly. So yeah, yeah, you can't you can't fuss about that's pretty good. Um actually in effect if you're trying to gain weight and you are just gaining muscle, eventually you get to the point to where you may be a little leaner than you should, depending on what your goal is. Also, one thing I was gonna that's ask, true. um how how did your this is an off wall question, but I notice as estrogen gets lower, especially myself and bodybuilders, the joints suffer because some of the collagen repair and stuff comes from estrogen levels. That's why even guys need a little bit of it. When you took the, started taking the testosterone, um, I know there's going to be a joint issue just because your muscles growing faster than the joints are because the joints don't grow as fast. But do you yeah. think in your situation, it's going to be a little bit, it's going to require a little bit more attention than a cisgender male growing because your estrogen was once at a certain level and now you're changing your hormone levels. Do you think your joints will be at, at more danger than the average person? So I have spoken to other trans people and they, uh, trans masculine people in particular, they have told me that um, throughout their transition, if they weren't always careful uh, and they felt they felt they could handle a certain weight and their muscles could, but their joints couldn't because their connective tissue wasn't developing at the same rate as their muscles. In my case, I would not say I necessarily noticed it, but I don't know. I have two theories as to why that might be so far. Well, one could be simply, uh, actually three theories then. One could be simply, I haven't been on testosterone therapy for long enough for my muscles to really grow so much that my connective tissue can't keep up. The second theory is that I evolved, I've had for quite a long time a very structured approach to how I scale the intensity of my training, the intensity of effort. So um, I follow the concept of rating of perceived exertion, so RPE, developed first by Mike Tushirer, a professional powerlifter back in 2016, if I'm not wrong. So I would start in week one of a training block my RPE would be quite low, about a seven, which means I, I leave three reps in the tank. So I stop every set when I could still have done three more reps. And every week I increment that by one until in the final week of my training block, I'm reaching failure pretty much on every set. And for that reason, I think that might give enough time for my connective tissue to give to uh, keep up with the muscle just because I'm not always going balls to the wall as they say but I have quite a gradual approach to increasing intensity of effort and then the final uh, theory is that because I take testogel every day instead of injections every few weeks my um, my testosterone levels are might be a little bit steadier I don't get oh, yeah. like a, a huge peak and then so a, a, a huge fall and because of that maybe the changes to my muscles are a lot a bit more gradual and my connective tissue has the time to keep up basically so i don't know which one is true if any of the three theories is correct but what i have seen so far is that i haven't really had any trouble with connective tissue really now with the the training aspect, actually, all those sound pretty solid. Uh, but the training aspect is like about balance because when I tore my bicep tendon, I did some research on how to train tendons. And um, 
you do the progressively working up in intensity is really good because it's just like training a regular muscle in some cases because the really intense deadlifts and stuff where the joints are under tension, um, negatives, stuff where you hold the, the weight is going to put pressure on the tendons. But at the same time, you got to back off and let that shit rest and heal. So if you have periods of where you're, you're going to failure and then you start a new cycle to where you're leaving three reps in the tank, your joints are also getting rest. So they're getting to recover in that time. Oh, yeah. um, the blood concentration, testosterone of what you're talking about, um, yeah, there could be a steadier increase because you're going to reach the same blood concentration. Even now, I'm talking about if somebody's even taking injections, I personally – even though I'm not a doctor or anything, but from my experience and seeing others, um, I've noticed smaller, more frequent injections is better for blood concentrations than to do it even once a week or once every two weeks because um, your body produces side effects according to how much goes in there at once, um, the spikes. And if you slowly go up, yeah, it may take longer to reach that blood concentration, but you're going to reach the same max blood concentration yeah. and it's going to be smoother and less side effects. Um, I've even noticed as much as people like bodybuilders are taking testosterone. If they take their shots once a week, they'll be more watery and have more side effects than if they divide it like three times a week, you know, so the Andrew Joe, the, the, the Tessa Joe doing it every day, makes a lot of sense as far you know it may not get you may not get as much testosterone as taking a shot but at the same time bi biologically you're in a female body so you're going to respond to the testogel a lot better than a cisgender male and the fact you're doing it every day is i think is a lot better for your blood concentrations and, and lack of side effects so that's um the way you're applying that is, is really good uh, I, I know some people like to do the shots but i know the way the doctors administer it which is like you know, go big once a week or so. That can some people just don't react very well to that. Yeah, I would like to say, oh yes, I definitely thought about this before starting testosterone. I took that into account and decided to use gel for that reason. But the real reason is that I'm just flipping scared of needles. So when I was <laughs> yeah. like, do you want injections or do you want gel? I was like, stay away from me with those needles. Yeah, yeah, so. that's uh. Yeah, some people are. They just can't. They can't prick themselves. But I think in your case, the gel, as long as you're not – my only issue personally with the gel is people that, like, have kids and stuff because you don't want to put it on and then not get it all in there and then go pick up your, your baby and then he has a mustache yeah, like two weeks later course. or something. Fortunately, you know. at least in the UK, um, we are educated on how to do it. It's like there's the instruction manual and then the doctor explains to you you need to wash your hands – yeah. really well and then you you need to not touch anybody for a few hours just in case um there are all these measures it can be there are downsides to to gel versus oh, injection yeah. obviously but i in my case at least uh they are worth the trade-off to be honest yeah i think honestly even though i'm not a big fan of the gel i think in your case the gel would be a better decision and um i unfortunately here in the u.s we're a little bit more ignorant towards uh, the, for lack of better, the performance enhancing drugs or hormone therapy, because mm -hmm. there's, there's such a bad stereotype and, um, it's starting to change because now they're starting to prescribe testosterone to men who have low T when they're older, yeah. even though the, the doctors are real 
bitchy. They don't like to do it unless they absolutely have to. But I think over time it'll get more comfortable. It's one of those things where everybody says it's really bad, but then you look at some of the data and you look at other countries and stuff and you're like, well, if this was true, you'd go to like Vietnam or Thailand where you can buy that stuff anywhere and there would just be dead bodies everywhere. There's not. And yeah. not everybody wants to use it. So it's not like all of a sudden you make it legal and everybody's going to run to the pharmacy and start shooting up. That's not how it works. I mean, it's, it's like heroin or any other drug. I mean, it's kind of off on a tangent. I'm trying to make a point between the difference between UK and US when it comes to this stuff. It's um, just because it's legal or illegal doesn't mean – if it's illegal, the same people are probably going to still do it as if it were legal. So the fact that it is – like you guys, you can't like you can't go to a gym and sell stuff, but you can you can have it and use it and all that stuff in the UK. Like it's no big deal. So because of that, I think people are almost forced to be more educated, less ignorant, and even use the stuff better than if you're here, where everybody's just like, "Don't do that." You know, it's like telling the diabetic, "Don't put your hand in the cookie jar." They're gonna grab fucking four cookies. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you teach them, hey, you know, you could probably not kill yourself and get away with having one every once in a while, then they'll do that instead. Yeah, I think ultimately education, um, providing education rather than forbidding something yeah. is it, it, probably going to be the better decision. Just like as a personal trainer, I, I am not allowed to recommend any supplements, even things like creatine or any other supplements that um, are not really, uh, you know, the... the, the any legal supplements, I'm not allowed to recommend them, but I can help my clients make informed decisions by educating them on the potential benefits and downsides. And I think that works better because ultimately you give the people the tools they need to really understand what they're getting themselves into. And then it's their responsibility to make the decision. Yeah. And um, over here, one thing I realized when I started training people years ago is that um, you, when, it, when it comes to stuff you should or should not take if I take the don't do that approach then they're going to do it and possibly hurt themselves then I'm going to be to blame because I'm the trainer or I could be like alright well from my knowledge you know here's the best way I've learned to do this stuff with, with minimizing risks at the same time, people will still point the finger at me if they find out they're doing whatever. I said, I would rather be the person that at least tried to have them do it the right way because they're going to do it anyway. So it's either I coach them and have a less, less risk of hurting themselves or I say, don't do that. And then they wind up in bad health, back to the hospital or something. And then I'm to blame anyway. So I'm kind of fucked either way. So and I try to explain it to other trainers when they approach, because there's going to be some time where somebody's going to ask them a question. They're going to be afraid to answer. I'm like, look, dude, here's the two choices you have. And uh, so like, and once again, like, when, like you said, I educate myself as much as possible so I can at least be like, okay, well, I'm not saying I'm not recommending or condoning the use of it, but this is probably the best way I've heard about doing this. Go that route rather than just shake my finger at them because then they're going to end up going overboard. Because that's just, especially Americans, this is how we are. You tell us not to do something, we're going to do it tenfold. That's just how we are. So, I think ultimately respecting people and not treating them like they're stupid or like they're children is always yes. going to yield the better results. Oh, always, of course. That's all, and uh, we need. We actually we need more of that now more than ever across the board. Um, People don't like being treated like kids. 
And they, you know, if you treat them like adults, they'll act like adults most of the time. Um, this is just stuff you learn with experience. I'm sure as you keep training people, you're going to see all different types of people and you'll learn. That's one thing about us. We have to learn how to deal with several different types of people until we learn how to hit a wide enough global market to get people that fit with us better. Like I could, I could go expand my reach and get a group of people that I'm going to relate to better. But when you first start out, you got to learn how to deal with different types of people just so you can build a business. Oh yeah. It's actually been very interesting since I started. I've worked with people. I've worked with people in their sixties. I've worked with uh, women in their forties. I've worked with um, young guys and young girls in their twenties. Uh, it's been it's been really eye opening to just um, come into contact with so many different people with so many different goals. And now in my in person practice, I still train all these different kinds of people. But thanks to social media, especially uh, in my online practice, I've been able to connect with quite a few LGBT and trans people, and I've started training them because. Ultimately, I realized that, as you said before, I can my transgender experience can be relatable even for people who are not transgender because yes. it can really be applied to any fitness school uh, or even bigger, you know, um, to a bigger reach, um, any life goal. And um, so I know I can I I became a personal trainer because I wanted to help as many people as possible, not just trans people or the LGBT community, but especially as a trans person, I am very interested in putting my message and my experience out there to um, to connect with other trans people who I know might not feel as confident going to someone who is cisgender for training and fitness advice. And I've been really humbled by all the positive feedback I've had over these past two years. I've had so many interactions with people through social media and they came to me saying specifically, I know you are trans and that's why I would like to ask you some questions about fitness and nutrition. And that just showed me how important it was and what a good decision I'd made in sharing my transgender experience as a fitness professional. And it's still yeah. something that is forms basically the core of my online practice, to be honest, to put out messages and to be as op open as possible to anyone who's LGBT and trans and might not feel comfortable going to somebody else. Back to what you were saying about how you can use your, experiences to relate to somebody losing weight or whatever, you know, people need to realize that are listening. It's not at, at that point, it's not a contest. Like, yeah, I've had an experience, but mine is more harsher than yours. At that point, it's, you're trying to build trust with that person so that they believe have more faith in you. So you're like, if you try to relate, you're transitioning to somebody trying to drop weight or gain muscle or change their body. It, it, yeah, that definitely you, you could agree that one's more harsh than the other mentally or whatever. But the same fact is if you put on the same plane as we're trying to change our bodies and I know some of the struggles you go through with that, you connect with that client and that makes the whole process better. Cause now that client's going to have faith. You're like, well, if he can, if he can transition and stuff and make changes before he, you know, hormones being, you know, biology female, surely to God, they're going to be able to help me lose some pounds. Yeah. You know, so it builds that, builds that trust. And, you know, sometimes you'll get clients that they don't trust you no matter if you know everything in the book because they heard some Karen talk about some two day, 10 pound weight loss liquid challenge. And they'd rather do that 
And all the evidence right there says that you're the person to go to and they won't go to. You. Yeah, that's true. And it's definitely not about making it into a competition because yeah, some people might say, well, transitioning is harder than weight loss. But I could argue that I have never had obesity. I can't imagine how difficult it can be mentally to think that you might have to lose two or 300 pounds because otherwise you might die. I can't imagine how being to the doc- going to the doctor and being told, if you don't lose this much weight, you might not be here in six months. I have no idea what that is like. So it's definitely not about making it into a competition or thinking that someone has it harder than somebody else. We're all, we all struggle with certain things that nobody else can really understand because they haven't gone through it. And I think it's about finding, realizing, like you were saying, that we are all on the same level in the end in what we're trying to achieve. Um, that's what builds trust. And that, that's what helps people get inspired by others that might be on entirely different journeys. Yes. And, um, you know, I can say from experience, like it is, I never had to lose two, 300 pounds, but I've been pretty overweight before. And there is some uncomfortable aspects. I mean, just physically, just being able to walk down the street and tie your shoes without losing your breath. So there's definitely hard parts with every battle there. And like you said, it's not, you may not be the same issues, but like, as long, like you said, as long as you make that connection, you're both two people trying to change. It, it helps them relate. I'll ask you one more question before we go, because I told you I was going to ask you this one yes. last time. Um, uh, what do you think with in your community from the outside looking in is one of the biggest misconceptions people have. And what do you think is the best way to start rendering that? Okay. So I think we've actually talked, mentioned this or touched upon it throughout this conversation. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that people from outside the LGBT community look at the word community and think that that makes us a completely separate species from the rest of humankind uh, because there's them and then there's us. And, and f- for that reason, it's almost like we're not just people like them and our issues like transgender issues or issues related to sexual orientation uh, might be so much weirder or completely unrelatable difficult to understand and accept whereas at the end of the day we're just people and i don't know if there's a best way to fix that but definitely one of one of the reasons why i'm so happy to have conversations like these and to you know have interviews is that Yes, I want other trans people to benefit from my experience and my message, but I also hope to educate people who are outside of the LGBT community. And personally, I've always told people, well, obviously I don't necessarily shake their hands and go, hey, I'm trans, but if it comes up, I don't hide it, regardless of who the person I'm talking to is. And I've been able to um, interact with people outside the LGBT community that showed a lot of respect and a lot of curiosity and just willing to understand. Because I found that when something, someone understands something, they become 
a lot more capable of relating to it and of uh, respecting it, not even yes. accepting it, but respecting it. And that's why, so I don't, I don't know the, of, about the best way to correct this misconception, but I think at least, you know, I think I do my part by being really open and speaking to both the LGBT community and the non-LGBT community equally uh, about my experience and trying to relate to them as much as I try to help them relate to me. That's probably the best way to go about it is just to get exposed to everybody so that they can see that even though, yeah, we, we have this label, that doesn't mean that you guys are like, there's, there's nothing to relate to. And that is, I think that is a big misconception because, I mean, there's, there's people that could even argue that the community is a separate entity from rest of the LGBT because, you know, you'll see there's people in that community and then there's people that are trans or gay and they just blend right in with society. And they, you know, so, um, but because there is that separate community there, people think that's all there is. And, or they think because you're you're gay or trans or lesbian that you automatically relate with everybody there, and that's not the case. Like just because two people yeah. are trans doesn't mean they have the same opinions and have the same views and agree with the same stuff. So that's um, that is a big stereotypical issue that I think I think with more exposure will go away. So yeah, I'm glad you said that. That's a very good point because I've actually had that conversation with quite a few people as I meet more and more, I start realizing that myself, that just because yeah. they are trans or, or gay or whichever of the alphabet letters, they're not, that does not mean they're just like the community, just like everybody else is in there. Yeah, I think ultimately the problem lies with identifying the person with the label or with the human being. So I use labels, you know, I, I call myself a trans man, and I use other labels if people tell me that they use any for themselves. Yeah. But I do it for ease of communication because yeah. these are words that we have all come to understand having a certain meaning. But I don't identify myself with the label or other people with the label. I always identify other people as their own unique individual. And I think if we all learn to do that and to not get scared of these labels as, you know, something that or not scared but I, I feel like maybe if you're non-LGBT you're just intimidated by the amount of labels around and how to respect everybody and how to not to offend anyone but to acknowledge them as the as the way they want to be acknowledged I feel like if we are less intimidated by the labels and just focus on each individual as their own person that can help build relationships between people of different communities because they will be able to relate on an individual level rather than trying to relate on a community level which might not be possible yeah people something sometimes people focus too much on what someone is instead of who they are exactly and that's um that's the one of the biggest issues so um and with the label thing you know i, I tell some people that even myself, there's some stuff that I just don't, I cannot jump on board with 100%. But if somebody's like, I identify as this, then I show them, I'm saying, I'm not saying that I agree or disagree, but this is what you want to be. And, you know, we're in a place where you can do whatever the hell you want. So 
if you want to be addressed as they, that's what I'll do as respect to you. It doesn't mean I disrespect. It doesn't mean I don't like you. It's just some of the stuff that I see, and I've, and there's people on both sides that agree and disagree with me. I mean, it's, you know, it's, but just, so what you, just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean you should not respect it. Oh, definitely. And in the end, people will like you and you will like others and you will remember them and you will re- be remembered by your name not your label like people my clients like me my my family likes me my friends like me because i'm nick not because i'm a trans man or a bodybuilder yeah and you know i have so many friends that when it comes to politics and stuff they're completely on a different side as i am but that's how it's supposed to be like yeah. some of the best decisions in the world are made from compromises and you can't have compromises if everybody thinks the same way. It's boring. You don't, you don't make any realizations. You have no epiphanies if everybody fucking thinks the same. Yeah. But you have to get along with those people that don't agree with you. That's just how it is. And people, and like specifically like the past 10 years, it seems like the biggest problem is because someone disagrees, all of a sudden you're going to Facebook bash them and you're going to do all this. Like, dude, we're not supposed to think the same. Like you need to respect that and find the positives of why they think that way and maybe take some good for yourself and stop being such a dick. (laughs) 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 I mean, for the, for the, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a white cisgender male from the South who voted for Trump the last election. And with the community that most of my friends are, you can see there's going to be a lot of clashes, but we're all cool. It's fine. You know, it's not, it's not a, it doesn't mean we all go hate each other and stuff. That's stupid. It's just, you know, we all have, and just mostly we all have we've all had different upbringings. We all have different things that we think are important. And that's why we think different. So I guess I'm glad you came on to share your story with us. Um, I like how, as soon as you made, you know, as soon as the light bulb went off that you're a transgender male, you just didn't sit around and wait for answers to come along. You went after it. You did your research. You found, okay, well, if I can't get this shit, at least I can do this and start, you know, and you started a structured, dedicated program in order to get what you want. It could be bodybuilding, transitioning, getting, becoming a CEO of a job. Like no matter what you, that's something that should be, that, that can go across the board is finding, finding a path, some kind of structure, some program and sticking to it and not letting shit get in your way. And you applied that to transitioning, which is why I found this very interesting. Most people apply this to like bodybuilding, weight loss, you know, jobs, but you know, you applied it to your transition It's paid off. And now you have the knowledge and experiences to be able to help people, whether they're transitioning or, or trying to lose weight or trying to gain muscle or what. So the fact that you did the work and you went through the hard parts and stuff on your own, you now have all this knowledge and experience you can share to inspire and help and help others, no matter what their situation is. And that's why I wanted to bring you on and have you share your story with people. Um, because like you said, no matter, there's some common denominator you can find across the board and use it as inspiration and apply to yourself. Uh, you know, you made some good points and I hope some people out there can take some of the advice and try and try to um, take some of the same steps instead of, you know, saying fuck it or, you know, having, mental health issues or whatever like that, because, you know, when in reality they could have just gotten up and just started going after it, no matter what the limitations were. 
So yeah, and I understand that everybody is in a different boat. Uh, you know, a mental health is a difficult topic, and not everybody might be in the position that I was in, where I could go after it. But if you if you have the chance, then I would definitely like my my most important message would be if you take nothing else from what I said today, take this and it's try it. Try to take the first step. You might not go all the way. You might not get to where I got, but taking a step is might be better than staying still. And if they take that first step and take some of the knowledge that you put out today, they could take that step and get further along because they already have all these other points that you hit and they already know a little bit of what lies ahead. It's not completely unknown to them. So yeah, that's, that's why. Right. Yeah, that's why listening to your story can help so many others because they can – now you've cleared up some of the smoke for them and they can see a little bit clearer if they decide to do the same thing. Yeah, I really hope so. So thank you so much for having me on today. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, yeah, thank you. I know it's getting, starting to get nighttime over there. Nikias, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you want to throw your IG information out there or email in case people want to contact you? Yeah, definitely. So I'm primarily uh, on Instagram um, pretty much every day. And my handle is Nikias. N-I-K-I-A-S underscore fit to transform. My website is www.fittotransformtraining.com and uh, my email address is fittotransform at gmail.com and uh, you can contact me through any of these channels. I'm sure Jed will probably put some links in the description. I will. In fact, I was going to say like DM me all that info and I'll put it on the links when I post the video, when I post the podcast. Yeah, that's perfect. And if anybody wants to get in touch, please guys do. I am completely honest and open about any questions. So just, yeah, shoot me a message. All right. Well, thanks for joining us and have a good week. And you as well. All right. Take it easy.